0: You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Can you go through the report's key points?
1: Yeah, the key points in the report are really to emphasise the need for some medium to long term planning for uh, the future of tertiary education in Australia. The report looks at different scenarios for participation rates in tertiary education, taking the current generation of school leaders and kids starting school now um, and then looking at what that means in 10 to 12 years time as they begin to leave school and it shows that the tertiary education system across fit and higher education will need to expand significantly even just to maintain participation rates let alone grow participation rates into the future.
0: Why did you decide to focus this analysis on participation rates and non enrollments
1: Participation rates are the key because participation rates measure enrolments as a proportion of the population. What we've looked at is the uh, age, the size of the age cohort between the ages of 15 and 24 um, in uh, 10 to 12 years' time. And what that shows is because that age cohort is actually quite a lot larger, over half a million people, young people more um, in 2028 than it is today. And this uh, enrollments grows. Uh, the participation rates will actually fall. So just looking at enrolments alone can be uh, a bit misleading because uh, if enrolments grow only slowly, then participation rates will actually
0: fall. And with participation rates, you've modelled four scenarios regarding these rates in VET and higher ed. Could you go through those?
1: Yeah, we looked at a couple of um, uh, different scenarios. One would be what happens if participation rates um, are held at constant levels. And what it shows is that the enrolments would have to grow a lot just to uh, maintain participation rates. We also looked at the effect of capping enrolments at current levels, And what that shows is the participation rates will fall because the population will grow. We then looked at higher red and debt growing in equal measure uh, to 2020 and then at a slower rate to, uh, to 2030. Um, and what it showed is that the higher education system would have to be substantially larger to uh, keep accommodating the level of growth that's already there. So we also looked at a, another model that would um, uh, change the rate of growth between higher ed and VET so that they're growing more strongly. And what that showed was that the capacity of the current VET system to accommodate that level of growth is really quite weak because enrolments and participation rates are actually falling. And that's probably the major area where government policy needs to be directed.
0: These models didn't take into account mature age students, didn't they?
1: No, we only focused on the prime participation age cohorts, that is young people between uh, 15 and 24, or probably more accurately, 18 to 24, that's not to say that mature age participation isn't important. It's absolutely crucial. But the Mitchell Institute's main focus is young people, uh, and that's why we focus on the 15 to 24 age cohort. What we do say in the report is that the magnitude of the participation challenge is magnified if you include older learners as well, because um, there's a lot more of them and they will need to also participate in order to retrain and upskill.
0: One of the main points of this paper is that when government um releases policy for VET and higher ed, they, it's, they suffer from short-termism. Do you see any way we could almost break this cycle of short-termism?
1: Yes, I do. I think that when it makes its decisions, um, either whoever forms government make their decisions on higher education and VET, they need to do it in a balanced and coherent way. So they need to look at both sectors together, both in terms of the modelling we've done, but also in terms of the policy leaders they are pulling. Um, because what happens in one sector does affect the other sector. It doesn't mean that the policy settings have to be the same or that the financing has to be the same, but we need policy coherence so that governments are are trying to look at um, both the higher education sectors and their respective roles and contributions.
0: Why do you think policy has been so incoherent in these sectors?
1: Look, it has been for a long time. The history of Australian tertiary education is that we've had intermittent cycles of looking at debt, then looking at higher education. I was a member of the Bradley Review when we put forward a coherent plan across the tertiary sector as a whole, but unfortunately the previous government didn't adopt the framework we suggested. It just looked at higher ed and then did that separately. Um, I think there's some growing recognition now in government that we do have to look at both sectors together. Um, but... We've still got a long way to go to actually um, to to actually uh, uh, get that um, consolidated as as a a mainstream way of forming policy.
0: Do you think um, policymakers are beginning to see vet as a priority?
1: I think there's growing recognition that um, the uh, sliding investment in vet and the declining um, enrolment and participation levels is a real problem. The problem for vet is it is now at the back end of the curve in terms of um, um, the fiscal challenge facing the Commonwealth government, and neither political party in the election has made any commitments to increase uh, vet funding Um, and um, the state governments are making it a lower and lower priority every year as the challenge of um, schools and health funding particularly seem to be the major growth areas in, uh, in state budgets and probably public transport as well. So that is kind of a bit lost in all of those um, in, in all of those competing priorities, and it does require really strong national leadership to elevate it again to being a, a national a national priority.
0: The federal government needs to bring it to the Coag table.
1: It was before Coag last year, but it seems to have, um, and there was a a, a, a proposal put forward by the Commonwealth which. Uh, was in circulation, which even looked at the possibility of Commonwealth taking over that funding, but that seems to have now disappeared as an option. What we can't continue with is the current funding agreement between the Commonwealth and states, which is seeing a a continuing deterioration in that funding.